This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Love Star. Of the Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Brian, how are you doing today, man? And uh, that is the voice of Bobby Belt, who is the uh, on the uh, Sean and RJ and Bobby show, 5.30 to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan. He's a Cowboy insider for 105.3 The Fan. He is, as you know, the host of Love of the Star podcast, and he is also a member of the draft show for DallasCowboys.com. Robert, I am doing very well. Welcome back from the Combine. I was totally totally having FOMO. Every tweet of yours I read from you, Aisha Morrison. Uh, I, I just, every tweet that I saw from the combine, I just was, wish I was in the middle of that. And by the way, uh, a great job uh, of covering that thing very well for us oh, uh, for here on 105.3, the fan. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was uh it was a good, it was a good trip. I, I tell you what I learned, Brian, uh, is the, it's not a great idea to go on Friday is, is what I'm learning uh, because everybody that you would connect with is, is saying it's partied it's, out <laughs> it's, it's great nights of uh, going yeah. out and, and having drinks and, and catching up with people. And I'm tired and I want to, I want to get some rest tonight. And so I, I had a, a few really good meetings though. Uh, and uh, got some, I think good insight in general about this football team. So what we're going to do with, uh, we're, we're obviously going to talk about Jerry Jones and what he had to say on the bus uh, while we were there in Indianapolis. Uh, and we'll do that next segment. Then we'll get to our mailbag at the end of the show. But I just kind of wanted to run through some of the notes that I had coming out of Indianapolis, things about the Cowboys that I, I find interesting. And uh, we can lead off, I, I guess, with the running backs. Uh, Brian, we, we just saw the news uh, while we right before we started recording that the Cowboys officially franchise tagged Tony Pollard. Um, and Jerry talked about bringing back both Pollard and Zeke. Uh, but I think it's clear from speaking to folks in Indy that the Cowboys are on the hunt for a running back. Um, they met formally with several of the top backs while they were in Indianapolis. I, interestingly enough, one of them was not Bijan Robinson, but they did yeah. meet with uh, Devon A. Chain. They met with uh, Jameer Gibbs. Um, they they met with Tank Bigsby. They they had meetings with a number of running backs while they were in Indianapolis, and it sounds like they're going to have a few on their thirty visit list as well. I I think Dallas likes Malik Davis, uh, but it sounds like they need to see. I think some more growth from him, uh, both as a player and a professional, before they really feel comfortable uh, with him in a primary tandem situation. So uh, I think the betting favorite for the Cowboys running back duo next year is Tony Pollard and some top 100 pick, Brian. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that, Bobby. I, uh, to me, it's, you know, with the situation with Pollard uh, receiving the tag, that really is uh, like a placeholder until he signs it. Of course, he's going to sign that. You know, uh, you thought maybe you know they could still kind of work on a uh, work on a longer term deal, but uh, the idea of having him back, I think, is the most uh, comforting thing to them. Or having him and the ability to try and negotiate with him is comforting to them as well. Um, 
I just don't think that keeps them from doing something at running back like you mentioned. I, I don't. I, I This could very well be a one-year deal. This could very well be something that, okay, that, you know, we love to have Tony and we want him and, uh, you know, we have an understanding of the type of player he is. Mike McCarthy is a primary play caller now. Uh, he has an understanding of what the player is. So to me, it, it, it was I totally on board with it. No, I, I really wasn't, but I don't work there anymore. I don't, you know, I'm a, I do a, a show with you uh, on a weekly basis. We work together as teammates on a radio station. Me personally, I thought I would let Tony Pollard test the market and see. And, and much like with what they did with, uh, with Terrence Steele, you know, mm-hmm. with Terrence Steele's situation, how much money is somebody going to be willing to pay a player that's coming off an injury? You know, and I, I would have, I would have gambled. I, you know, they're gambling with steel. They really are gambling yeah. with steel. You could watch. I mean, I think if you ask them to a man, they'll tell you that that. And I saw a tweet you had this morning uh, that if steel was healthy, he probably would be a tender to first round pick. Mm-hmm. But he's injured now. It's a second round pick. Is it a gamble? Yes, I I could have seen the same gamble with uh, Tony Pollard and seeing if he was going to go out and get a deal. And to me, there's enough running backs on the market where I would have felt comfortable moving on. If Tony were to leave or like you're talking about, I would have drafted one of these kids. This draft for the running backs is going to stretch well into the fifth round when you Absolutely. start about running backs. And the fact that they're looking at it, but it's here they are, you know, they're probably Pollard on a one-year and now the next back that they draft is going to be the one that's going to take Tony Pollard's place unless they can get a long-term deal done. And uh, right now that doesn't look like it's a, a possibility. Well, you mentioned the uh, Terrence Steele news and uh, you know that, that blends perfectly into the discussion about the running game because he was so important Amazing. as a run blocker for them last year. Uh, that, that was something that came out of Indy. Cowboys are placing a second-round tender on Terrence Steele. He's a restricted free agent. So the tender gives the Cowboys the right of first refusal on any deal that he may sign this offseason. It guarantees them a second-round pick if he's signed away. Uh, it comes with a $4.3 million salary for 2023. I think it's really unlikely that Steele plays on the tender this year. Um, you know, if if, if he would have, uh, I think it's also really unlikely that he would get any offer sheets signed here. I don't think anybody's going to offer a second because of that torn ACL. Um, but if he had been healthy, like we said, he's he's going to have a, uh, in all likelihood, would have gotten the first round tender, which comes with a $6 million salary and, and a first round pick for compensation if somebody signs an offer sheet. Um, but I, I think they want to get a long-term deal done here. I, I don't think they have any intention of him just playing on this tender. Uh, it, it's basically insurance to ensure the Cowboys have time to work something out. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I think that Terrence Steele gets something done on a long-term basis here and is not just playing on the one-year uh uh, franchise or the uh, the one year tender there for the restricted free agency. Yeah, I I, I feel like uh, that's the same way. I, I you know with Terrence Steele, the thing that will be interesting to me is that Terrence Steele thrived under Joe Philbin. Mm-hmm. Will he thrive under Mike Solari? You know, uh, everybody you talk to about Terrence, uh, you know, including like with Joe Philbin. You know, Joe Philbin would tell you Terrence Steele was first in the building, last to leave, a sponge, a weight room guy, did yep. everything he possibly could to make himself a better football player. And he did. He did. He really did. And, uh, you know, I I applaud him for that. I just wonder how – and I'm not meaning this in any slam towards, towards Terrence Steele, but I wonder what the relationship will be now with between him and Mike Solari. Will he continue to grow, or is this one of those things that's going to be a period of adjustment? Will it be a period of adjustment for the five, the all five guys that are across that offensive line? Anytime you change a line coach out, there is going to be a period of adjustment because that line coach is going to want to do it his way. And you've got enough guys, but you got young guys that are still trying to develop there. Now they're having to maybe relook how they play with their techniques. Uh I think, and this is tied to some of the discussion a little bit with Terrence Steele and probably wanting to lock in something long-term at some point. Another impression I got out of Indianapolis is I think the Cowboys are starting to think 
a lot more seriously about what life without Zach Martin might be like. Um, I, I think they still believe he can play and play at a high level and, and they'd love to have him here for the next you know few years. But I think they're learning from the way the Tyron Smith situation was handled and they're thinking to themselves, let's at least get our ducks in a row a little bit and, and make sure that we have contingencies in place because Zach Martin turns 33 next season. He's older than Tyron Smith. He's played in just 11 fewer games despite entering the league during Tyron's fourth season. Uh, he was the most emotional that I saw at the locker room after they lost to San Francisco. Uh, and it seemed very reflective, just his attitude and and the way that he felt. And so I think the Cowboys are, are really in tune with the fact that Zach Martin is not necessarily a guarantee to, to keep on playing you know, in the next two to three years. And I think they want to get out in front of that. So what does that mean? Does that mean they, they just sign a, you know, a free agent? Does it mean they, they draft a developmental guy and maybe the fourth or fifth round to, to kind of cover themselves? I, I don't know how exactly it plays out, but I think it's definitely on their mind that he's getting near the end of his time as, uh, as an NFL player. You know, Bobby, you're the first one uh, that I've heard to report this. And I, do believe there are some legs to it. The more I think about it, the more that, uh, you know, one of his dear friends in this uh, business was Travis Frederick, who yep. unfortunately, uh, you know, because of his illness was never the same player. And he realized that and he moved yep. on and, you know, moved on to, to, to probably bigger and better things for him. And I could very well see Zach Martin doing the same darn thing. You know, like I, I, I'm in this thing for so long and I only want to play uh, X number of years. Uh, every year I line up, I'm an all pro, you know, they're, yeah, it, it's, it's really, really hard on these guys, especially those offensive linemen, because usually like the older they are, the better they are, you know, look at, uh, look at, you know, like, uh, you know, Jason Kelsey there in, uh, you know, Philadelphia and how emotional did he got? Uh, after uh, the Super Bowl loss, you right. know, and because these guys know they're only they've only got so many snaps in that body, and I I, I think you're clearly on to something, uh, you know. I mean, this year, hmm, we'll see. Next year, following year, you know, maybe closer. But I think I think that you're, I think that your reporting and 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 gathering of information makes a lot of sense. Uh, the next thing that I'm interested in is I know everybody is, is big fans of Donovan Wilson. Uh, I think the, I think Mike McCarthy's a big fan of Donovan Wilson. I think Dan Quinn's a big fan of Donovan Wilson. I think if, if they had their complete say on it, it would be yes. Donovan Wilson is back here next year. I'm starting to feel a little bearish about Donovan Wilson's prospects to return though. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question because there is such a desire from those on the coaching staff to, to make it happen. Um, and, and I think Donovan Wilson would like to be back, but the Cowboys consistently place one of the lowest values in the league on the safety position. And I think Donovan Wilson will have a market. How big of a market is it? I don't know, but I, I mean, I think there will be suitors and you just take a look at how did J Ron curse play last or, or in 2021. He, he played fantastic for them hit free agency, and they gave him $5 million a year. That was 12 years after giving Gerald Sensabaugh $4 million a year to play safety. They have not grown with the safety market at all, and then they just have a set price that they've wanted to pay for the last decade for that position, and I, I think that that's going to be a, an issue in these negotiations with Donovan Wilson is if they want him back at, at what they're currently offering, they're going to have to just basically pray, I think, that he, he takes or leaves a better offer on the table. This is one of those situations, Bobby, where the coaches absolutely love a player and the front office might be in a situation right now where they're like, well, we've always kind of done it this way. We found curse. We've, you know, we found Wilson. We found guys. They've been really more wrong than they have right on the safety position. But as we look at what we saw at the combine this, this past weekend, and you look at the names and I know I'm just looking at my own personal board right now. I've got 10 guys that are safeties, whether they're strong safeties or free safeties, 10 guys that I have graded within the first four rounds of the draft. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here the Cowboys are likely going to get a compensatory pick or two. Maybe they get an extra four. They're going to get a couple extra fives at what it sounds like. You know, this team 
you know, I, I could see them looking at this draft and not, you know, yeah, the coaches absolutely don't want to lose. And if you right now, if you sat down and talked to Mike McCarthy, the one player that he would talk about would be Donovan Wilson. Yeah. But his vision or what he sees for the player might not be with the front office. And I'm not saying the front office doesn't like the player. Sure. I, I just don't know if they want to pay. And you and you laid it out very, very, very well on, you know, on, on that, on that front that are they willing to pay him more than what they paid for a safety, what, 12 years ago right? kind of a thing. So, but like I said, I, I look at my board and I've got 10 guys. Uh, I've got 10 guys or 11 guys that, uh, uh, you know, are right there in that first, you know, four rounds of the, of the draft. And I think they very well could, could uh, tab one of those guys as a replacement. Last note uh, here for this segment. Uh, so if I were if I were into you know we we came out of combine last year and I think there was a general sense that they were probably going to look offensive line in the first round and that rounds two and three were going to be some flip flop combination of probably an edge rusher and a receiver and that's exactly what they did. Uh, similarly, coming out of this week. I think in whatever order it may be, the first three picks are some combination of a cornerback, a running back, and a pass catcher. And I say pass catcher because I think that could be a receiver or a tight end, depending on how the board looks. Maybe offensive line is a dark horse candidate that could disrupt that trio, um, especially if the value's there. But I mean, specifically with the idea of tight end as a pass catcher, Jerry mentioned Travis Kelsey and what a weapon that is and, and how advantageous that is to Kansas City when we talked to him on the bus. I think there's confidence in Peyton Hendershot. There's confidence in Jake Ferguson. I, I think, though, they are clearly interested in some of these tight ends here in the draft. Jerry talked about the advantage of having a dynamic tight end threat, like I mentioned. Linda Wells was there in Indy, and he was one of the only offensive coaches that was there. The rest of them were back in Dallas doing install. And Lunda Wells is there, and he's running drills on the field for the combine for the tight ends. Yeah. And so I, I think the Cowboys believe there's a couple tight ends in this class who can really stretch the field for them and do it just as well as some of the receivers potentially. So I think that there's a there's a definitely a, a chance. In fact, I'd say, in my opinion, it's likely that a tight end gets drafted somewhere in the top 100. Yeah, I, I like what you're doing, uh, and I like what you're talking about with – uh, potentially the tight end and the wide receiver because what you have to figure out now, what you have to figure out is, um, you know, can you, do you want to take a wide receiver at 26 who might be the fourth best wide receiver or do you want to take maybe the first or second best tight end on the board? And, I think that's where the Cowboys are right now. You know, it, it, depending on which way you have your, I think everybody's pretty consistent about these wide receivers, but I think there's a little bit more of an inconsistency about the tight ends, whether it's Michael Mayer from Notre Dame is your top guy or Dalton Kincaid from uh, Utah or Luke Musgrave from Oregon state, you know, and then and, and maybe even to kick in, you know, Darnell Washington, who I kind of felt like he's the kid from Georgia who yep. tested incredibly well. Uh, I kind of felt like that maybe this might be the our uh, version of a Jason Peters. You know, Jason Peters coming out of Arkansas those years as a massive tight end, moved to offensive tackle. But this guy is like this Darnell Washington that just tested off the charts. And, you know, he's an incredible player. He's like a big offensive tackle running down the field and stuff like that, the way he plays. But, yeah, I mean, the the names that I mentioned, Musgrave, Meyer, Kincaid, Washington, they, they, might be, they might be ahead of any wide receiver that's left on that board. I was talking with Dane Brugler last night, and we were kind of going through a, a Cowboy mock draft scenario, and Dane said, is there any reason why this team – wouldn't take Dalton Kincaid at 26. I said, no, I don't, I don't see that, especially with the conversation that you and I've had Bobby. And now that we're having with the, the, the listeners here of the love of the star podcast, uh, you know, it's it, they're they're looking for playmakers, whether that playmaker is. And to me, the cleaner of the pick 
might be the the tight ends over any one of those wide receivers that might fall to you at 26. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, before we go any further, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. We have absolutely loved seeing you guys send us your photos on social media of you hanging out with at Boomer Jacks, just like Brian and I do. Uh, and, and we love that you guys are enjoying it the same way that we do. Uh, I keep telling you guys, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the day to go to Boomer Jacks if you're a fan of wings. Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they've got a great setup, great deals on food and drinks for you the rest of the week as well. Uh, they have drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. And so it, it is the perfect spot for whatever type of atmosphere you're looking for. If you're looking for a uh, spot to watch the game with your friends, Boomer Jacks has you covered. If it's a, a dinner night with the family, Boomer Jacks has you covered. If you're just looking for happy hour with the coworkers, Boomer Jacks is the spot. And there are 17 DFW locations, so you can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, as we've mentioned, there is uh, always the the trip to Indianapolis always yields us the time on the Jerry bus. Uh, and we got that this uh, weekend. It was actually Friday. Uh, weather delayed him a little bit. So Friday night, uh, we were sitting on the bus with Jerry Jones. And uh, he had a number of interesting things to say about Dak Prescott, about uh, the way that they are approaching different things here in free agency. So we're going to run through just a few of these cuts here. Uh, this is the first one. This is Jerry talking about how they'd be willing to spend on the right free agent in the right circumstances. I want to tell you, don't dismiss us doing something special with the right veteran free agent. Any place. Uh, I would in a New York minute if I think that it fits a lot of what I'm sitting here talking about. If it fits more than uh, a short-term situation for us. So if it fits more than a short-term situation for us, I'm guessing then is he not talking about Odell Beckham Jr. when he says don't discount us from certain free agents? Or how do you interpret that? Brian, do you you think that's just Jerry talking? Or do you think that's a genuine, hey, this is something we're having discussions about? I uh, I think it's legitimate talk, and I know there's people in the organization that are trying to figure out who that player is. Um, we had Michael Gelkin, very talented writer from the Dallas Morning News, on our show last week. I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and he was throwing out ideas about it. You know, but when Jerry said New York Minute, the first thing I thought of was Odell Beckham. I thought I mean, a little wink and a nod. Here's here's the Jerry slip that we all kind of love. And and uh when he said New York Minute, I'm thinking, yeah, and he's talking about he's talking about Odell Beckham. Sure, but uh yeah, we'll see. Uh I you know, I kind of I kind of want to believe that there's I mean, there this this NFL right now is a little bit crazy. You know, Derek Henry now on the market, uh, yeah. Derek Carr just signing with the Saints. I mean, there are good football players. Uh, look, uh, Hopkins. You know, I mean, there there are some very talented football players that are now available. If you want to pay the freight and if you want to give up the picks or you want to sign, there's some really talented guys. This is a time twenty years ago, twenty five years ago when I first started. This always wasn't the case. This wasn't the case at all. You know, guys kind of held on, but now. 
it's it's a little bit like a an open market when it comes to these players. If you know, look at the Rams situation with with Ramsey and you know Robinson, the wide receiver there. You know, if they're willing to take part of the contract, if you're willing to take the rest and give them a pick, so I I I I, I like what Jerry Jones is saying. Uh, I my personal belief is that if they do sign somebody, I think it's going to be Beckham. And the only reason I say that, the only reason I say that is because they've done the most legwork with him right now. They've they they've kind of they spent weeks on working on these things and they kind of have an idea of where he's at. That's the only reason I would say him, but I I, I do like what Jerry's saying about potentially others involved. And if it's somebody other than Beckham and it's somebody that can help this football team win, I think fans have to be happy about that. The uh, majority of, I think, Jerry's conversation on the bus was focused with the uh, – because a lot of it was about Dak Prescott. And I think overall it was a pretty innocuous conversation with Jerry. But I think the biggest takeaway for me is that it seemed like Jerry recognized the hits that Dak has taken in the media and and with the fan base. And I I almost felt like he walked into this and said – let me give some covering fire here a little bit. Let me let me show some support. Let me let me you know uh, talk about why I, I believe that he's still the guy. Um, and so he he talked at length about that. But there were also some discussions about the offensive changes and how that's going to impact Dak and why uh, they're entertaining these changes for Dak. So we're going to jump into a couple of those cuts here. Uh, this is Jerry talking about why Mike McCarthy calling the offense is what's best for Dak Prescott. I've done it umpteen times and sit down with Mike and he talks about uh, nuances of the offense and nuances of the play calling. And I can't tell you how many times I've done it over a beer or just talking to it and uh, realize that's not what we were doing. We, we weren't doing it that way. We were doing it certainly with his uh, complete uh, supervision and with his complete authority to uh, change. change. But uh, the natural thing to do, to look at uh, how to uh, give more to what Dak can be, was to call on what Mike can bring to the table and uh, the way he is addressing it. So this is interesting to me because he's, he's talking about that Mike McCarthy has given him these philosophies and these ideas about the offense and everything else like that. And that Jerry was recognizing, well, this isn't what we've got happening in the game plan. Like, like we're not seeing these things play out. Uh, and, and so it sounds like Jerry in, in the decision that they've split from Kellamore, the mutual decision to move on from Kellamore, Kellamore is ready to go. Uh, the Cowboys were ready to make a move. Uh, it sounds to me like Jerry felt like we we need to see some of these ideas and these concepts implemented that Mike McCarthy wants to put in there. If, if he has ideas about these and I like these ideas, I want to see it. And so let's go full, you know, full steam ahead to do this. This is a very dangerous game that Mike McCarthy's playing right now because of, uh, you know, you got Dan Quinn sitting there making almost head coach money. And there's a lot of people in, that would, you know, fans and others that would probably like to see Dan Quinn be the head coach here. But Mike McCarthy is taking a – he's clearly walking out on this plank. Uh, if he has success, you know, good for him. He gets the extension. Everything moves on. But, you know, like moving on from Kellen Moore, and, and trust me, you know, I thought there had to be a change some way. But – you know, Kellen Moore was the overseer of a, a top five offense, top five scoring offense. Uh, you know, one, one where Dak Prescott, you know, was 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 thriving, and I, I really do think that Dak Prescott liked playing in Kellen Moore's offense. Yeah, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how, and I always say that interesting to see, but if will. Mike McCarthy trying to rein in how Dak Prescott plays. How will that how will that uh, affect Dak Prescott? Because but because if it doesn't work, Dan Quinn's likely your next head coach here. Yep. If it doesn't work, if they completely fall apart, 
They they're not competitive in the division. They're not in the playoffs. The offense is say, uh, you know, below mid pack as far as uh, production and scoring and all those things, and puts the defense in a big time harm's way because they're not scoring enough points. Mike McCarthy has clearly put that backpack on and is wearing it right now. Uh, and I'm, you know, he's either going to this time next year, he's either going to be your coach or he's not. And yeah. I'm, there's a lot of people that are thinking like, you know, wow, well, it, all these things that you know, this is, this is kind of like, it's interesting that Jerry Jones would allow this to happen just because, and I, I me personally, this is just my, my thought. I think it became very personal between Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy. It absolutely did. I think it became very personal and I'm, you know, it, it came to, you know, for Mike McCarthy to call the plays, I'm sure he wanted Joe Philbin back here as his line coach. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Jones in the front office is like, no, not for that price. We're not doing that. No. Okay. Well, I'd like to move on from Kellen Moore. Can you give me, you know, Brian Schottenheimer? Brian Schottenheimer is a very respected coach in the league. I've talked to a bunch of people about him. They, they're very respected. And I know, I know the defensive players on the Dallas Cowboys respect him for the job he did last year of helping them get ready for the opponent's game plan. So he's a right. respect, respected guy. But the fact that that you move your assistant line coach to running back coach and you have to get a new offensive line coach, and to me, this is this is Mike McCarthy sit, getting his guys in position to, like, if we fail, it's going to be because I have these guys in position to fail with. But if we succeed, I'm going to look good, and and this is why. And they'll be able to continue on. But this this became very personal between Kellen Moore and, and Mike McCarthy. And I think Jerry Jones was there to kind of uh, to referee it a little bit and saying, okay, if you want to do this, this is what I want to do. Okay, Jerry, if you want to do that, this is what I want to do. I I, I just, I, man, to me, it's there's there's there is a lot of pressure on Mike McCarthy and to to find a way to get this thing can I mean, like I say it's still a very productive offense but if this thing falls flat he's the one that's going to have to answer to to the front office about that so Jerry talks there about how he thinks this is what's best for Dak is for Mike McCarthy to call the offense mm. he tipped a little bit uh or, or gave a little bit of insight I think into what that means uh, this is an interesting cut to me, Brian. This is Jerry talking about essentially limiting Dak's reads to reduce risk. I think it um, uh, is important that such things as the amount of the field that he's trying to get a play in, I think that those that one nuance alone, in other words, uh, uh, taking areas in the ball game and reducing uh, the whole field, okay, looking at everything okay i think that there's a that dak has the ability and ha- had to look and see uh, if there's any options uh, any options at all when maybe we should have had one or two uh, when you're uh, first and 10 on the 20 going in and mm. uh, you had it narrowed down and uh, so uh, that's uh, 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 to me uh, that's him being confident in his ability to make those plays and the ability to see it and uh, uh, not just gearing down uh, with him and Mike and just saying, now, look, we're either going to make it over here on this third of the field or we're kicking. Your thoughts hmm. on that quote, Brian? I'm interested to hear what you think. <laughs> I think that uh, they, that didn't they, sound, that didn't sound very Mike McCarthy, not very glowing towards Dak Prescott, and I could see where Dak Prescott would take offense to that. That to me sounds like Mike McCarthy believes there's an overwhelming amount of options in his progressions. Way too many, yeah, yeah, and that he thinks it needs to. Now I wonder, uh, you know, you you remember the the attempt to pick up a first down in Green Bay. Yeah. Like, like, is that an example? If you think McCarthy looked for an example where he says, this is an example of like, it needs to be a more simplified, quicker read than what we have right here. 
No do you, do you think that's one of those? And so, uh, in general, would you say that that's a indictment of Dak Prescott to say something like that, or is it just a reality? I would say that he he has he 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 mentioned that he has a problem with the option routes. Him and Kellen Moore. Dak yep. came out and said he liked the option routes, and you don't see all the plays that are made off the option routes. So I, I think this is Jerry mentioned red zone is what he mentioned, you know, and what happens in the red zone? The field gets smaller anyway. You know, yeah. there's not, there's not a lot of reads when you're down there in the red zone. It's either the first read or then there's some type of scramble movement and a guy gets open and then you throw him the ball. So it, it, it sounds like to me that they're trying to kind of reduce Dak to Lamar Jackson. Uh, uh, my guy, uh, uh, used to quarterback with the, uh, you know, Michael Vick, yeah. you know, where they have those two level reads and throw it here, throw it here kind of a thing. But I, I if I'm Dak Prescott, I, I take, I take a little offense to what Jerry just said, because basically what you're telling me, and I'm trying not to make this too much, but you know, you figure like going into year eight, that we're not having to cut the fields in the thirds or quarters or whatever yeah. in order to get our quarterback to have success. Last cut here uh, before we roll into the mailbag, just really quickly. This is another interesting quote for me. Uh, or, or I, uh, For me, I, I think this is an interesting one. Jerry talking about uh, Dak doesn't always have to extend plays. Dak will keep it alive as long or better than than um, than uh, maybe most because he's got the arm strength he really can make the throws uh but uh, uh and but we really do need to uh probably have a reconciliation here as to uh, the best way to win the game not make the play and that's not criticizing Dak. It sounds like he must be criticizing Moore. He must be criticizing Mike. No, I'm joining in with everybody else. There needs to be an adjustment made. And we got the guy that uh, we can make the adjustment with. He's got the skills. He's got the career uh, tread on the tire. Uh, and he's absolutely, uh, between him and Mike, uh, they've got a Harvard doctor's degree in how to do it. So that's, uh, again, a, another fascinating quote to me because you're talking about uh, when you when you couple this with the quote that Mike McCarthy had where he said, you know, Kellen wants to put up a bunch of points. I, I want to win a championship. I don't want to just put up a bunch of points. Then you get Jerry talking about let's not worry about winning the play. Let's worry about winning the game. It's all these interesting idioms about a bigger picture that uh, I don't know if Failing to see the bigger picture has been the problem here in Dallas, but just an interesting cut there of, you know, let, let's not worry about making every single play. Man, I, <laughs> you know, one of the, he's right. This, one of the, this is your first time hearing this stuff, I think. No, I mean, this, no, these, it, it's uh, just every time I hear it, it reminds me of, you know, it reminds me of Jerry, like, you know, Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore to, okay, let's, not score points. Let's not. I mean, why would you? Why would you? Again, I understand what the the Kellen Moore and Mike didn't get along. I but man, if Jerry is now like the it's like expectations for what like he he's always talked about what Dak can do and you know the mobility and the arm strength and the you know the decision making. He's always been like always talking about that. Yep. And now it's like Dak has been reduced to like he's been reduced to Cooper Rush, you know? I mean, it's just it's it's fascinating that all of a sudden McCarthy's come in there and convinced Jerry that Dak can't play the way he's playing anymore. You know, yeah, I mean That's what it sounds like. You can't, I mean, like it's like Hey, we have to revert back to 2016, Dak, if we're going to win any games here. Uh, you know, I, I hey, I don't want to see him throw interceptions, but also, I mean, you're asking him to do some stuff like with some of the routes and the the reads and things that are probably not conducive to helping him have success. But they sound like that they are just completely just t- not just taking it back one click; they're clicking him back like six, seven times. I mean, it's. Like we got to bring him from here. 
I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm doing bad radio right now. But, you know, above, you know, the highest you could get and take that thing halfway down, take your hand and just move it halfway down. That's what they sound like they're kind of reducing Dak to. Yeah. But they, they, don't, they don't want him to make plays. They don't want him to run. They don't want him to extend. They don't want, you know, it's like they want him to be a two-level read quarterback. Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson, you know, it's, it's like he's not capable. I mean, that's the problem. You you've given this guy forty million dollars to be a half the quarterback that he should be. You know, that, that's 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 and, and if McCarthy, that's the thing about McCarthy. If he's convinced Jerry of all this and it doesn't work, you and I are going to be talking about a different coach next year. Yes. I, I I guarantee you, if all of a sudden. That team doesn't score. They don't win games. And this is now on Mike McCarthy. It's on Brian Schottenheimer. It's on uh, the line coach, the running back coach. It's on them all. It is on them all if this thing doesn't work. And it's not going to be on the quarterback because, you know, the quarterback is – he's here. He He's here. So somebody is going to have to figure out – and then next year it might be – well, we just need to do more. You know, Dak is capable of throwing the ball. He's capable, you know. that Now that's the next thing. If it doesn't work, those are the things that we're going to hear. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, before we go any further, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. We have absolutely loved seeing you guys send us your photos on social media of you hanging out with at Boomer Jacks, just like Brian and I do. Uh, and and we love that you guys are enjoying it the same way that we do. Uh, I keep telling you guys, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the day to go to Boomer Jacks if you're a fan of wings. Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they've got a great setup, great deals on food and drinks for you the rest of the week as well. Uh, they have drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. And so it, it is the perfect spot for whatever type of atmosphere you're looking for. If you're looking for a uh, spot to watch the game with your friends, Boomer Jacks has you covered. If it's a, a dinner night with the family, Boomer Jacks has you covered. If you're just looking for happy hour with coworkers, Boomer Jacks is the spot. And there are 17 DFW locations, so you can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. We've got a few questions here. First one from Mario, and he says uh, specifically for you, Brian, in your experience as a scout, do scouts ever try to, quote, cheat by seeing which players other team scouts are watching at positions that the team is known for drafting well? For example, San Francisco at linebacker, Pittsburgh, yeah. or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you – if you're – I always – when I go to workouts and – you know, I, I had a, a few of them that I'd go to. I would always see what team sent their position coach to go conduct a workout. For example, if the 49ers are sending their linebacker coach to go work guys out, I always made notes of that. I always made notes. If, like, defensive line coaches are there to work out specific guys, always made a note of that. Hey, Buccaneers, Bengals, Rams were here working these guys out today. I think I think I think these when you, you you really have to evaluate the evaluators at the workout myself, you know, like who who has sent the most guys here to see these players? I think that could tell you a lot. That used to help me in pro personnel when I would have to tell Jerry or whoever the head coach was that, hey, listen, there's a chance this team is going to take this player because they were at this workout. They had their coaches at this workout for this guy. So you have to keep a mind on the Rams, the Giants, the Eagles, they all had coaches that were there working these guys out. So that 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 when you when you line those things up and as a scout, it's it's important to know those things. Now, specifically to that that other aspect of his question, I'm curious, 
you know, for instance, I'll, I'll say this. Dallas, I think, has developed a pretty decent reputation of being able to spot tight end talent like Jarwin, Dalton Schultz. Uh, they nailed Ferguson and Hendershot, it looks like. McEwen's been a good acquisition as an undrafted free agent. So specifically to that idea of if you see a team that's really good at drafting a certain position, if they're watching yes. certain guys, does, yes. does that tip you off and make you go, hmm, maybe yeah. I need to rethink this guy a little bit if they like him? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, to me, workouts, uh, uh, you know, using resources to evaluate players, all those things can help you with that. All those things that you just mentioned. Next question here uh, from Brandon. Who are your priority players this week to get a deal done with before the start of the league year to make sure those players stay off the market? We talked a little bit about Donovan Wilson earlier um, and, and how tough that is going to be. I don't know that you necessarily want him hitting the market and and shopping for offers that'll probably be better than Dallas's. Uh, but I also don't know that he's you're, you're going to be able to get that done. It, just from what I heard, I, I think he's hitting free agency. He could still come back here, but I don't think anything's getting done before free agency. They're going to look at the market uh, for Donovan Wilson. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch, I think, is one that you would like to go ahead and, and get that done. Hopefully get some sort of a, a, a deal done before you hit free agency there. Um, but, Brian, are, are those kind of the two that you would have your eyes on or just Wilson and Vander Esch? Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. Uh, they what they've done is they protected themselves with the uh, two tags that they've been able to use uh, the tag for uh, Pollard and, and then the for, for and, for the, and the tender for Steel and now and now they're going to let this thing ride and they have some parameters. If Vanderish wants to come back, if Wilson wants to come back, I think they've got some parameters. Uh, Watkins, I know they've got a lot of guys. They've got a lot of guys that are going to be out there. So I kind of have a feeling they're going to let this thing ride. And after the first week, maybe even the second week, uh, we'll see the Cowboys maybe resign their own guys or do some uh, fishing of their own. Next question here from Alfonso. He says, Brian, which receiver at the combine do you think suits the West Coast offense the best? And I know you'll probably be pulling up your notes or, or thinking, so I'm going to throw out a name here that I think – I thought he had a really good week this week, and I think that I, I know you're not as high on him, but skill set wise, and if you're looking for a strong possession receiver who I think showed good short area quickness, like some good explosiveness, I do like Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. Yeah, and I think that Tillman as a you know not a first rounder, but Tillman as a somebody maybe in the second or third round would be really interesting for the Cowboys, I think, and could you know pull off a lot of this stuff that they want to execute with the with the West Coast offense. A, a tough traffic catcher, a a guy who I think shows really good ball skills. Uh, he, he had a really good workout this week, Brian. He showed up uh, 6'3", 213, uh, ran 4.54, but he had a 1.53-10 split. He had a 37-inch vertical and a 10-8 broad. So some decent numbers for him. Uh, and, and he's still recovering from an ankle injury, I think, uh, to, to get him to full strength. I had heard rumblings during training. He got all the way up to four, four, five in the 40, which is really good number for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think Tillman is a guy who, who could make some sense as a, a West coast uh, yeah. type of receiver. I think you perfectly nailed the guy, Bobby. I have him in the third round myself and I love the size. Uh, I, this is one of the things. And I just, as you mentioned, my notes, I said, does a really good job of fighting the defender for the ball. Size, length really help him here. He makes his share of big plays down the field, dependable hands, you know, but there's some snaps you do see him body catching while adjusting. So, uh, you know, he I didn't feel like he had great speed as a route runner. And I said this, he reminds me of those guys the Chargers play with. Steady route runner that will come back to the ball in order to make the catch. Big man, the adjusting receptions in small space. He's, he's like those guys, like I am saying, you watch the Chargers play and – you know, the Keenan Allens and those guys, that's that's what these guys look like. So I just, yeah, you're right. Not a fast, quick player. Hyatt was the guy on the other side for Tennessee that was the vertical player. But this cat, you got to love his size and you got to love his ability to go fight for the football. I had Cedric Tillman, Tennessee, in the third round on my board currently. And then uh, last question here, we'll go with a question from Saad. He wants to know, do you think Nolan Smith 
just leaped out of reach after the combine. Uh, Nolan Smith, who came in 6'2", 238, but ran 4'3", 9", 41.5-inch vertical, 10'8", broad, uh, was already a really impressive-looking player who's still growing, still maturing, becoming a, a polished player, but I think a, a, a really good player who I think is still probably around Dallas's range. I would say between 20 and 30 is where I think Nolan Smith ends up going. Yeah, I think you got to be really careful here, Bobby, because to me, the combine will seduce you into testing numbers. And you have to make sure that you're watching all the tape. You know, the, the combine, the medical, the the workout is just part of the puzzle. Make sure you're watching everything. This guy tore his pectoral muscle like the 1st of November and was out for the remainder of the season. But, you know, he's one of those guys that when you were kind of watching Walker last year, who was the number one pick from Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Nolan Smith was the guy that was making a lot of plays too. I mean, he, he's one of those guys that – you know, when you talk talking about avoiding blockers, dipping his shoulder, getting underneath, working towards the quarterback, he could finish. This guy's a really, really good player in that. He's got some power to his game for a guy that's kind of the slightly build. But I, I really do feel like that, to me, he was a guy that was kind of in that range with what you're talking about. I had a second-round grade on him before the combine. But you know what? He's likely to go at the – potentially the bottom of the first. I mean, he might very well get to the Cowboys. But as you're watching these guys, and I remind everybody that's out there, whether you're watching the tape, you you have access, or you're watching YouTube, and you're kind of watching that, just be mindful. Be mindful of the tape is really the most important thing. The workout really, really helps. But you just make sure that you're seeing exactly. Because, for example, Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, you know, there's not a lot of 300-yard passing games to his resume. This guy's a one-year starter. He is an incredible athlete. You can watch the tape. I remember a play against LSU in the game. He runs like 50, 60 yards, and LSU wants nothing to do with tackling him. I mean, he's bouncing off guys and stuff like that. He's an impressive player, but make sure you're watching the tape. You know, Don't let the workout just totally mesmerize you into thinking that this guy's a first-round player. There's a, there's a big gamble with this guy. Again, he's a one-year starter at florida make sure you watch that tape that does it for us here on the love of the star we will be back again later this week with another episode and uh hopefully diving into some more draft talk having a good idea about some of these uh upcoming free agency moves until then we will talk to you guys later